I've got the spots, the sickness, there's the twins in my brain. The UCI Cyclocross World Cup is heading towards Ireland. And guess what? Dublin is one of Cameron Mason's favorite races. After being part of our very first Crosses Boss podcast episode, the rider of Cyclocross Reds is back. And so is my domestic Dieter. Welcome, Dieter. Thank you. How happy are you to have Cameron Mason on the podcast again? Uh, yeah, very happy. Uh, last time it was just uh, before the two races where he did very, very well in. And to have a talk about uh, those races and other races uh, who are coming uh, again with him is uh, pretty amazing. Were you rooting a little harder for him after he joined the first episode? Uh, to be honest, yes. Uh, yeah, you need to say uh, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was a very friendly guy. So, uh, yeah, I was rooting for him, definitely. Welcome back, Cameron. How are you? Oh, good, yeah. Thanks for having me again. You skipped uh, a racing weekend last weekend. Um, how did you spend your time the past uh, 10 days? Uh, so straight after Dendermon, I flew back to Scotland um, and, yeah, had 10 days at home training. It's It seemed like a, the right time, you know, the intensity of the doubleheader weekend into Gothenburg, into Euros. Um, I did everything, you know, including relay. Um, and I felt, you know, my level was still pretty good in Neil and Dendermonde, but I felt now was a good time to, to kind of skip that one weekend. Um, and it's amazing how much space just skipping one weekend gives you. It's not just one week. It's, it's closer to two weeks because of that 10 days. So, no, it was productive. All good. Dieter? Uh, isn't it like a, a thin line between uh, recovering and training? Because I saw you did some a pretty big week in, in training. Like, how do you yeah, cope with that? Yeah, I think the way that I was feeling my body was, the direction my body was going in is that my form was going down, but my freshness was still there. Um, and so much of my freshness is based on my mental freshness. So if I can kind of increase that, then that uh, then then my body actually can respond pretty well. Um, but the feelings were good in, in Dendermonde and, and it's nice to have a break uh, with nice feelings because I didn't feel like, I don't feel like there's much work to be done really. It's just to continue to build the foundations for a good cycle cross season. I know I have all the kind of pieces there. It's just just um, working my way through all the kind of details and making sure that I'm, I'm ready to go for the next one. Can I say the fact that you joined our very first episode brought you a lot of luck because a fourth place at Koppenberg Cross and then afterwards a beautiful second place at the European Championships. We have to say congratulations. Thank you. No, no maybe it was good luck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last time you said <clears throat> one minute efforts suit you really well. Mm -hmm. So you were probably looking forward to the Koppenberg Cross? Yeah. Um, yeah, like... For example, the climb that goes from the VIP tent all the way up to the finish, there's only a short descent in it. So that that type of longer effort, sustained effort suits me. Um, also, just the heaviness of, of Gothenburg. Anyway, I do think it was more on the heavy side, like the amount of running. I was pretty weak in the running, to be honest. Um, every time I got off my bike, I just felt dead. And then when I get back on again, I felt dead again. So I, I actually, my feelings weren't that great. Um, and I, but I, I think that everyone was probably having a similar feeling it was it was it was hard to feel like really zippy and and fast on that course which is interesting then that for euros you actually had to be the opposite you had to be really kind of 
quite explosive, I think. And then with the weather changing for Sunday, but um, I think you saw that all the top guys that were at Copenberg, they did then just perform just as well, really, in in uh, in Euros. So I don't think there's a massive connection there between um, form. Yeah, the best guys need to be at the best races, and I think that was that was right. You say your running was pretty weak that day. Is it something you train more on it uh, afterwards? Um, I think how good your running feels in a race is just really connected to your form in general. Um, so if you're having a bad day, your running is also going to be bad. If you're having a really good day, your running will feel amazing. So it's they're kind of they're quite closely connected. Yeah, we can we train for it, and I do running most weeks, but. Um, Normally, it's such a small amount that it, it to, to, to put more than 30, 40 minutes of your week into it is, is doesn't quite add up, I think. Um, but there are, there are some people that are just naturally good runners, like Joris Neuenhaus. Um, yeah, I can't think of, like, even, even Pim Ronhar, really, really strong runner. And, yeah, things just go a bit towards their direction in certain races. But it's, it's small percentages, I think, there. The course on Koppenberg was pretty muddy. That combined with the climb, was it the hardest race you've done so far this season? Um, yeah, this season. Oh yeah, 100% this season. Yeah. Um, just, although a lot of it, obviously you are riding your own pace. I think, for example, in Maasmechelen, like you were, you had to go so deep just to hold the wheel sometimes because it was such, Maasmechelen was such a lined out race. It was really hard to pass and really hard to, to kind of move up through the group because the finish straight was so short as well. If you came onto the finish straight in a group of eight or 10, there's, you know, there's, there's no point in easing up. Everything just goes on again. And I think that, um, that relentlessness of, of pace was shown in mass Mecklen, whereas actually in Koffenberg, positioning in Koffenberg is pretty simple. Are you good enough to be top three? No, then there's not much you can do about it. So, um, yeah, it was just self-inflicted. It, you just had to, to kind of make yourself suffer, which I like doing. So, I saw a small doubt um, before you answered the question until I said this season. Yeah. Um, is there one race that was so far the hardest one you've ever done? Um, most British national championships are really, really hard and you, you finish each one. At the last three or four I've done, you finish them absolutely empty because the amount of running and just it's the heaviest racing that I think on the saddle cross calendar is is normally the British champs. Uh, Belgian ones that are hard. It's it's normally just the context of it, you know, like have you got an injury? Have you started at the back? All that stuff. Dendermonde, I finished totally en- empty because I did a big catch up race, but then you know that was me making myself suffer so it's not that wasn't necessarily the course because i enjoyed the course i like the course of dender wonder so it's hard to say whether it's um particularly hard like that uh, with with the uh, Kopenberg uh, being so muddy how much tire pressure tire pressure did you uh, run i think like one bar 1.1 bar which is like maybe 15 psi 14 psi it's basically flat so you you can feel every single cobble as you're going up um some riders started on different tread just for the first passage and also different pressures but one of those riders tebow kind of paid for it because the cobbles being yeah. so muddy you actually needed all the grip anyway um on the first passage there's on there was only maybe 
100 meters of clean cobbles but even then they weren't clean because of all the spectators who are walking down on them so um yeah yeah it was you just need super low pressures but i think the type of field of um that koffenberg's in you didn't need the lowest pressures in the world because it was the grass was so long and stuff i think really low pressures are more suited to that kind of park grass that really fine slippery mud whereas Koffenberg was so heavy that you weren't looking for grip, you were just looking for just more momentum to get through the deep stuff, if that makes sense. I, uh, I read that uh, Philippe Ochs in one of the very muddy races, I don't recall which one, um, but he ran uh, 1.5 bars to um, cut through the mud so we could ride on the, the hard surf surface uh, underneath the mud. It was a race at the podium, but I don't recall which. Neil. Race it was Neil. Yeah. And Neil. Yeah. Oh. Neil was a strange one because of how many rocks and uh, curbs and roads and change of surface actually to run higher pressures gives so much more confidence you have the ability to ride lines that other guys aren't riding and yeah in hindsight probably a lot of guys would have gone higher pressures um, with just how uh, there were there was this one section where it was like you are going kind of directly across the road but with the road comes you know, road, grass, bike path, grass, walking path, grass, and all of that you're hitting at 90 degrees. And each one of those is just like of like a 90 degree edge. So stuff like that, yeah, you 100% need to ride higher pressures for, otherwise you break wheels and puncture. Peter, do you recall us climbing the Koppenberg on a domestic social ride? <laughs> Can you yeah. imagine what it feels like to do it on flat tires hmm. no uh, i once did it like when it was uh, raining so it was, they were just wet and not muddy and i slipped and i didn't reach the top like on bike um so to climb then uh so also while you're so muddy i yeah i really can't comprehend how they get of them on the bike we only actually had to do them five times because the lap was so long that it took us ages to go around in pre i think one of the faster koffenbergs i did it was like seven times so seven times up koffenberg you feel that but then obviously the rest of the lap is easier but actually they it felt particularly slow this year and i think actually i had the wrong gears on my bike like i should have had easier gears to push um yeah it's just something i hadn't thought about being on shimano being with the double ring i thought the little ring would be small enough anyway but it wasn't like I, it would have been nicer to just have a, a slightly smaller cadence but also then if you put smaller gears on your bike you also just ride slower and because you've got an you've got a gear to use almost like either way you have got to do the watts to get up the hill it's just i think i was maybe turning a little bit of a, of a lower cadence than, than was ideal um, Cameron, after the race in Odenaarde, you only had one day uh, to recover, as on Friday you participated in the mixed relay at the European Championships. How did Alex feel after such a tough race? Um, I When did I travel? I had all of uh, the morning after the race to do a recovery ride, when it was actually it was starting to get super windy in Belgium. Um, right. So that was, I was already a bit nervous for my flight as well, because the storm was coming through. I already knew that the Belgians train got cancelled and then they were all going by car. 
so my flight i was just you know i was just fingers crossed that it was gonna go ahead um so i flew evening got in quite late had a lie-in on uh must have been friday morning and then went to the track did course recon as normal um and it felt like i just because i kept things moving there was no chance for my body to go down into a dip um so friday i felt i felt pretty good actually the relay lap never feels good because it's such a short intense effort like six seven minutes you know we're trying to be as warmed up as possible but you spend a few minutes on the on the fence waiting for your teammates to come around and then you go start full gas and the body just fills with lactate so it's it yeah it doesn't feel great um but it's actually quite a nice effort to do there was things i learned from from doing the relay that helped me i think on on sunday and yeah the funny thing was though after the relay i was like full recovery mode because my body was like you know starting to feel feel the the effects of the double race weekend into Koppenberg into relay and i i felt ill already on saturday i was like oh i'm not feeling great here i think my body was i gave it like a few hours to to recover and it was like oh yeah good right let's get ill now um so i didn't feel that great um but thankfully it just it managed to hold off another day so I could do my Euros race really and then it and then I did get ill after Euros but it's fine then isn't it Dieter you had a small question about that recovery uh, yeah when you have like races that short after each other uh, do you eat special things like do you um, take that into account in your uh, yeah what you eat um yeah it's just about um yeah filling those requirements calories being one of them you know you you've burned so much energy that you need to replace the calories uh carbohydrates you need to um kind of replenish all those glycogen stores and then uh, and then just general protein to repair the muscles but um i find you just got to eat like just regularly uh, like just anytime you're not doing anything just to eat because you've damaged the muscles so much that you know that they're always recovering in the background you need to feel that um, and especially with travel and with training as well, that's one of the hard things is getting the good feeling while you have other things in the way. Um, and yeah, in hindsight, you could say, oh, the relay was maybe, you know, it's not necessary for me. It's not, it's not going to change my season um, so that maybe I could have optimized more then. But I then also think it gave me just enough high end to to keep my good form that was obviously there it just kept it alight for that one more day so then it was really there ready to go on on the sunday because maybe the other guys who did the koffenberg they went down into that dip and then to get back out of it was was more difficult but who knows on sunday it was time for the big race at the european championships and um, was probably the race of your of your life so far um on instagram you wrote afterwards uh, still working out what that race meant and how to feel about it. Did you work it out already? Yeah. Um, yeah, I've worked it out. I worked out that I was one of the best, if not the best on the day on that track, uh, which is important for me to work out because um, yeah, the result is one thing, but then you also have to look deeper than that and realize maybe what could have been possible. And for me, I think the win was possible um there would have you know things would have have to have gone in a different way gridding actually getting a good start the traffic and 
yeah, like we went into that first mud section after I'd had, you know, a less than ideal start. And of course, there are going to be guys who crash because 30, 40 guys have got to get into one technical mud section. So I was kind of the victim of a few crashes and just little things like that. And um, but literally, apart from that, my race was perfect. As soon as that happened and I was in, what, 25th, 30th place, I made no mistakes until I got into until the end um so that's kind of how close I was it feels like um but then of course yeah I'm just proud of of the fact that I could do such a high level race um yeah when it when it when it really mattered because I I think I had a performance like that in me yeah I have had that in me all season but if I had done it at Oberizer if I'd done it in um uh Red of Order you know that's is I mean, it would be amazing, but to actually do it at Euros, I realised how big big that was, um, and that that was the plan. You know, I was there to to do my best at a major championships, um, so it feels good to have executed it to as as good as I did on the day. Did If you like, don't, don't even look at at your uh, start, which wasn't that great, and you look at the uh, seconds from Tournout uh, gained, yeah, by. Belgian, uh, the Belgians kind of blocking the roads, um, and you uh, look at how close you finished. Uh, you would have even won the race. I know Matt in cycling doesn't work like that, but yeah, that's an, a pretty amazing thing to to look back at. I think. Yeah, and and until I do actually win the race, it is just potential, and I think it's important to keep it like that. You know, it's not, it's nothing more than that until you do it. So. It's just chat, but it's nice. It's nice chat to have in my head. The fact that I was one of the strongest guys on that day, um, and to see big guys that I've looked up to, you know, in trouble. The fact that I'm going around, I'm battling for a medal with Lars van der Haar, who's like childhood hero that I would watch every weekend on the TV, and it's like white leaders, World Cup leader skin suit on a giant, you know, like those like really prime Lars van der Haar and he's still racing at the front of bike races and I'm the one now battling with him and I come around the corner and I'm seeing him make mistakes and I'm putting him on the limit and I'm putting him in the gutter like that's just dream stuff um so it's all those little moments that are actually that's way more cool than just a silver medal or any of that like that actually means so much more um and I could have had those that, that I could have been saying that even if I got fifth or if I got fourth, that that type of thing. It's just a bonus that the result was was nice and shiny as well. The fact that you battled for the win, was that beyond your wildest dreams? Or did you really think before the race, yeah, maybe I could be um, up for the win? My thoughts during the after Koffenberg, I think I was chatting to my bad my dad or something, and I was like, I can definitely medal, but I'm in a group of medalists that's maybe actually, you know, the six, seven, eight of us that could medal. And I, until the morning of the race, I did think that. And then as soon as the rain started coming more and more and more, and we were watching the women's race and it was just like absolutely hammering it down outside, then there were just guys that were less in contention. That's one less person. That's one less person. Just because I know that it, it would suit me more. Um, and even in recon, you know, I went round um with some guys and I would just like get on the gas out of one corner and just like pedal for it look behind and just realize the speed that I was bringing around the track so I did know it was going to be maybe one of those days 
Um, but actually, when we did recon, we were riding on Griffos and it was bit almost dry. So the how much it changed was was actually crazy. Like it, it. But it's good that the type of ground and the type of mud, it didn't go to a running race. It just became just the most one of the most technical races, and you had to be so precise. Um, and it's all those factors that then um, influenced me doing a, a good ride like that. Did that race change the way people look at you as a cyclocross rider? Uh, for some people, yeah. But for most guys, probably most of the guys I race with, it probably doesn't change change their view because I think they also knew kind of what I could do on, on a day like that. So that's, yeah, the people who knew, knew uh, and anyone else, they got to just see it in one kind of hour-long program. Like that's what Cameron Mason can do. And that's nice to get across as well. Dieter? Um, I remember uh, the last podcast uh, we recorded that you said that you wanted to get to a point where you barely make mistakes in a race. Uh, I yeah. think you uh, you got pretty close to that point in uh, in the European Championships. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Like once we get the start thing out of the way, then yeah, I, I was pretty dialed. You know, the ability to immediately be hitting good lines, to immediately have no, to be quite decisive you know i think to to ride a line and know inside your head that that's the fastest way you can go around the corner so that the next lap you're not trying a different one that might not work or you're just you're just already riding on the fastest lines i think that makes a big difference and when i watched the race back it's a shame like um they didn't show some of the real key sections i don't actually think that that uh tv production was very good compared to belgium i don't i, don't, I didn't think I don't know, there were just some key sections that as a rider, I was like, oh, you need to be showing this 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 mud section that everyone's making mistakes on. And just where they had the cameras, they were missing that type of thing. And obviously the rain was ridiculous and they were losing cameras all over the place. But um, yeah, I think then when I looked at my footage from my YouTube video, I could really see what I was hitting, right? You know, I was riding around stuff with just my feet clipped in. I was on the gas earlier. I was in the right gear, all that stuff. And that made a big difference on a course like Euros. One week later in uh, Dendermonde, you had uh, a lot of bad luck. A few broken spokes right after the start. Um, can you tell us what happened during that start? Yeah, so I actually got a good start for once, which is how it goes, isn't it? I was riding pretty well. I was probably 10th or 11th. And I think Neuenhaus and Niels van der Putte had some sort of coming together one rider swerved that went on to another rider and another rider and by the time it got to me it was moving quite quickly and uh which uh kind of went directly into my front wheel which none of us could have done anything about and his i think it was his foot and his pedal basically just ripped around the whole of one side of um the the spokes so i i lost most of the spokes on one side of the wheel um and it immediately started just like going all over the place and i was now i'm watch it back I realized how lucky I was to not crash because I checked on my Wahoo and we were going like 48 kilometers an hour full gas sprinting and that would have been really scary um, okay. it was it was scary but it would have been worse if I'd actually hit the deck so um, I knew quite quickly I wasn't gonna be able to ride the bike to the pit so I just started running um, and it, it's a shame that the cameras didn't show me running to like put context to the fact that like while the whole race was going on in the front it was just me running with my bike for like three minutes um, but funnily enough, by the time I got to the pits after running for three minutes, 
I'd caught up the back of the field. So I don't know how that works, but I think the like traffic and slowness of the race actually front to back, that's just how long it takes for the back riders to get to the pits anyway. Um, so yeah, I had a nice run to do and then I got on with, I got on with the job. <laughs> what, what does it feel like to be running um, all by yourself, three minutes behind the pack with all the spectators <laughs> looking at you and only you? Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. must be so weird. They're all looking at me like, oh, who's this absolute noob? Like, it's it's just an amateur who's who's come and joined the World Cup. But um, no, it was a bit rubbish. But I was I already was like, well, no need to sprint because, like, what's the rush? Like, just get yourself to the pits. Don't spike your heart rate too much. Like, I was still racing, 100%. I was still racing. There was no part of me that was like, oh, let's just go back to the bus. Um, yeah it's a it's a long race and it's just another thing to add to the story and i there was at no point i was like i'm not going to get back to the front i'm just i was like i've just got to get back to the front now like let's see how quick i can do it or if it's even possible so i got to the pits got my new bike chucked my glasses off because they'd already steamed up because of like because when you're moving so slowly just you know um and then yeah got on with it started picking off riders they might have been thinking those spectators during the first round who the hell is this? But mm. yeah, you showed who Cameron Mason is that day. Um, I had the feeling, despite that bad luck, you kind of enjoyed the catch-up game. Yeah, yeah, enjoyed it. It's just like, yeah, bittersweet because I did it so well that it just makes you think what, what I would have done if I was just immediately at the front already. Um, but I made the most of it. And yeah, it's still, yeah, it's still a good race. And I think... Um, yeah it still showed how how good i can be it's just that was a nice opportunity to really be at the front and i had to do it kind of from the back but that's how it goes at a certain point during the race um they interviewed christopher rothoft and despite pem ronhaar going solo he still believed um you could be up for the win did you believe the same thing during your catch-up game uh I don't know if I was thinking that like far ahead. I was just going like very rider by rider. And I would have thought, obviously, if the next rider was Pim to catch, then I would have just gone, yeah, like it's possible. Um, but I didn't actually get as close as, yeah. Yeah, it was nice for Christoph to say that, but I didn't actually get as close as 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 I maybe would have wanted to or what he thought was possible. Um, but there's no, yeah, it did look like in that direction because I was doing the lap times, I was making the groups, everything. And I think when I got on onto the group with two laps to go, it was at that point that like I went to take a breather and then I just felt the body not catch up from the effort it did. It's like I hit the red limiter all the way until two laps to go. I tried to come off the red limiter just to recover and I couldn't actually get back to that to that level. Um, which kind of makes sense. Um, but yeah, it's just I had no choice. Like I wouldn't have done it any differently because if I hadn't gone all in, then I wouldn't have known how close I'd got. Um, I think maybe I could have got eighth or seventh if I'd paced myself. But I don't really care about eighth or seventh in the World Cup when if I'd just gone all in, then maybe a podium was possible. Um, so podium versus 11th, it makes sense. Like, it, like at that point, the result didn't matter. I'd already done the performance that needed to be done. And that's why I kind of went off a cliff a bit at the end. But it makes sense. Dieter? 
And uh, you were on a on a pretty insane day, though. Uh, I uh, remember the Belgian commentator saying that you came uh, even on the on the on the road on the on the flat part. Uh, you came flying by. So uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I noticed even on the road, like I would get to the road, and obviously you always have to sprint back onto the wheel a little bit out of the corner, and then. I would do that and then immediately I'd feel like I need to get past. So I was riding kind of, yeah, four or five kilometers an hour quicker than everyone up the home straight. And especially at a course like Dendermonde, you are like going around a really heavy field, you know, you're like going really slowly on and off the bike. You get to the home straight and you're like, ah, okay, that's nice. And the, the amount of riders that still do that, even at the front of the race, that was actually, I was like, right, no, tra- no, no time to wait. You got to push on to the next, onto the next group. And then when I got, closer to the front the speed does go high higher and I was then I was like oof like it's it's really it's on now I need to like maybe get in the wheel a little bit but then as soon as I would go in the wheel then I have to remind myself okay it's all about track position you've got to then go move up the group there's no point in being last man in a group of four when actually as soon as you hit the mud you're going to be 10 seconds apart you need to be already immediately in first or second position um which is why like for example, we came through and it was like Gervin Kuipers, Kevin Kung, one other and me. And like Kuipers like flicked me through. And like any other race, I'd be like, no way am I pulling through. You've got a teammate in the wheel. You guys go and get on with it. But I was not even racing them. You know, I was I was actually just trying to get to the front of the race. Um, and yeah, it makes sense to just push through. Like there's not actually much tactics when your average speed of the race, like 18 kilometers an hour or whatever it was. So. And now we are uh, yeah, talking about broken things. Um, I wanted to ask you a question about the BOA closure systems because we saw uh, a lot of them uh, breaking the, the last couple of weeks. Um, have you had any problems? In, do you think there's a, a solution for that? Or? Uh, I've never had problems um, with any BOAs. I had BOAs on my previous shoes of Specialized and it's still BOA on Shimano. And I've never had problems. I think, yeah, you could just get unlucky you know it's like they're just exposed like anything else um and they do quite a lot like they're really important they hold the full foot in so if you if they just break a little bit you really notice and you need to get the new shoe but the yeah the solution is probably just velcro um (laughs) which yeah doesn't sound very fancy but yeah just shoes that are velcro but when we're running around so much like it is a fact that they're not going to be feel as secure like bows just feel amazing because you're just locked in. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's a massive solution there. Some like ugly kind of boa guard or something. I don't think that. I don't <laughs> think that's gonna. I don't think that's gonna happen anytime soon. Um, after two weeks of um, yeah, not saying a rest, but without racing, mm-hmm. um, you'll be back this Sunday in Dublin. Uh, the fact that you're in Scotland right now means that you'll skip the X2O in uh, Kortrijk. No, I'm doing the XTO. Yeah. You're doing it? Yeah. So yeah. that means going back to Belgium and then the same evening back to Ireland. Yeah. Uh, but Ireland is quite far away from Edinburgh. So it, yeah, the travel to Ireland would be, it would be a full day of travel anyway. So I do travel to, um, to court, back to Belgium to court trike. And then immediately after the race, I fly to Dublin ready for the World Cup on Sunday. So yeah, logistically, it's hard work. But um, we're doing it for a reason because I think it will pay off. So. Dieter, you had a few questions about that race in uh, Kortrijk? 
Uh, yeah, you are. Um, fourth in, in the standings uh, after the, the race, which always have has the biggest uh, time difference. So will yeah. you make a, like a goal of the XVO classification? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've only done one, but but the fact that I'm doing court trike shows that I want to stay up there for a little bit. Um, Tebow's going to miss it. Um, uh, so that's one less rider. Um, but yeah, February's a long way away, so uh, lots of things can happen. But it's important. You know, th- these are the races that matter. Um, so it'll be good. It's nice to have that little kind of side goal um, of, a, of a classification. It adds a extra little bit of motivation to it and I think racing for time does suit me you know I'm a rider that never gives up until the end even if my position is fourth place that might only be 10 seconds back or 50 or 20 seconds back um so yeah I'll be racing for a position and for for time obviously on Saturday which is yeah nice opportunity to get another race and I think also like the context of me skipping a weekend then coming back maybe somewhat fresher or or with less race days it makes sense to to use that um skipped weekend to then kind of um double down and do it and do a double header weekend whereas other riders you know especially if you did the double header last weekend the idea of doing another one with even more complicated logistics um yeah it it makes sense i do i do that double weekend uh, dieter before this episode you told me kortrijk is one of your favorite races <coughs> in the season that was a big surprise to me tell me what does it make so special i don't know i just find it a, a very fun course to watch uh and a lot of people like don't like the the fast uh, courses who look a bit like uh yeah a road course um but i always like them uh, and i also like the the finish like on the on the bridge um uh, there with the uh, would love to see uh a, sp- a sprint there Saturday, so uh, yeah, who knows? Cameron won't agree. Solo win. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. More time <laughs> in the standings in that in that case. <laughs> uh, tell us, Cameron, about Sunday. How much are you looking forward to race in Dublin? Ah, uh, it's it's gonna be really good. Yeah, it's a nice race. Uh, the course is pretty similar to last year. It's muddy, I hear. Um, and yeah, good fans, good race. And it's just got that different atmosphere. Like, I'm a bit sad I missed the Trial World Cup because, um, yeah, French fans are just insane. They love it. And it's nice racing cyclocross in different countries because they just bring a different atmosphere to it. Um, but, yeah, Dublin's going to be one of those. Be good. Maybe you'll get a new opportunity in Flamanville. Don't know if you're going there. I'm going to skip that weekend as well. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to... Poor French yeah. fans. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know it's a shame because I get messages like on Instagram all the time, being like, "Oh, see you in this, see you in this," <laughs> and like, I just I can't do them all. But yeah. I'll, yeah, that will be. There's no other French races apart from that, so nope. till next year. Um, you said the course in Dublin um is said to be muddy. What did you hear about the conditions already? Uh, well, I know it's been raining nonstop in. Scotland and I imagine that Ireland got all that rain too and Belgium and everywhere else it's just that time of the year when everything is fully saturated and yeah it's just a flat field in Belgium there's no there's no hillside or anything so it's it's definitely gonna be a, a muddy race but I don't remember there being much running from last year which is good for me you know I like a muddy race with not too much running 
and I think Dublin should be that as well. And I think someone messaged me saying that they were considering putting like wood chips, like wood bark down on some of the course because it was getting already so muddy. So hopefully it doesn't go in the direction of total mud fest running race, but we'll see. Um, I think they moved the sand section onto a hillside, onto those kind of lumps towards the end of the track. And apart from that, it should be pretty similar. It's a very basic cross course, but what's good about Dublin is how wide they they have the sections. So the width of a track really is what creates the racing. And that's going to be so different to something like Mass Mechelen, where, yeah, the race was, the course was three metres wide, but there was actually only one safe line. Whereas Dublin, some of the sections are like six metres wide and it's all the exact same type of grass. And the way that you can just choose your own line uh, make it made such great racing last year with like a front group of whatever it was six seven eight riders and i think that will be um similar on sunday as well what are your ambitions for sunday do you hope to be battling for the win or uh that would be cool but i think yeah there's a bit of a question like oh how am i going to be after this training block because i have given my body quite a lot of fatigue and like a different level of fatigue to just you get from racing um but i think we'll The plan is to have timed it right, you know, using court trike to to kind of get my shape in the right place so that I can optimize Sunday. And yeah, we'll just see if I can do a clean race. And I know I've got winning pace. There's just lots of things you've got to do to kind of get to that point where you're in the fight for the win. And I know also that it doesn't just happen immediately from the first lap. It's like it, it's that wearing down process. So yeah, the goal would be to get to those final that final lap, that those final two laps in a place where I can do what I need to do. But yeah, we'll see. I'm just excited to get racing because like, yeah, skip one race weekend and it just gives me so much more fire to get back at it, which is exactly what I needed. So Exactly. Have fun. Um, Dieter? Uh, who do you think are the, yeah, your main competitors for uh, Sunday? Uh, Pim, definitely on that track. Really good. Straight line speed, technical yeah. ability, everything. Um, Ellie is a bit just, he's just a pure racer. He's always going to be in the last few laps. I was so impressed with his ride in Merck's Plus. Um, just, you think you count him out and then he's got, you know, that two to go, that one to go lap that just jumps him right back up onto the podium. And he can do that every race. He's got that depth where he can knock out the fastest lap of the race almost a bit like how you see an F1 where just like fastest laps come out of nowhere in the last like 10 minutes of the race. Like that is actually what he does, which is so impressive. Um, and yeah, Michael Van Turnout should be, should, yeah, he should really be on the podium. He's had one weekend off to, to sort out his issues. And with that comes, I think, especially for him, because he's been racing so much. I think last weekend will have been a bit of a blessing to, to just skip it, to decompress and to rebuild and come back stronger for for that so yeah i think those those uh and uh tebow's racing as well so yeah he's just deadly on a cross bike so if he's on one of those days um then yeah everyone knows how good he is so that'll be a good a good group of people at the front i think and isn't it a, a good race for uh for pitcock to make his comeback uh in the field yeah he's not he's not doing it is he no No, I don't think so, no. No, no. Um, got me worried there. Nah, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, it would, it would be a good one. Um, but, yeah, they're just not ready yet, are they? They've got, they got plenty of time. 
uh, it's mad seeing like Vanderpool's training videos and everything when like it's like five weeks until he until he races I bet you everyone's nervous about that like just if if Pidcock goes onto his phone and he sees Matthew like doing weights and intervals and VO2 max efforts and it's only October he must and he's and he's still in his off season he must be like oh no it was a break <laughs> but it's stuff like that yeah it will make the difference like he's yeah he's got his head down not really actually for cross I don't think like the training that all these boys are doing it's they're not training for cross they're training for the classics it's just there happens to be a cross program in the middle of that um which is how they have to do it you know they've got they got their priorities right um and they can bring such a good level anyway to the cross that they can they can make it work which is impressive both pitcock and van aert already said that they don't expect a lot from the cyclocross season does that mean you ex you expect van der poel to win most of the races or what what are your expectations about those big guys yeah i think he'll win most of the races but uh they all bring a high enough level that there'll be a bit of a swing um off days from van der Poel or or really good courses or days from from wild and tom so yeah it'll be i don't think you can count it out as like oh it'll be the van der Poel show because it's never simple there's the good thing about cross it's never simple like you saw the head-to-head battles that were ended in punctures or ended in crashes or ended in sprint finishes. I think we'll get all of that again. So yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, Cameron, can you tell us what the importance of having uh, a World Cup round in Dublin is for cyclocross in general? Uh, yeah, it's going to be... Uh, I just think because it was so good for racers, I think from the organization, from the track, uh not from logistics because it's a fact that racing outside of belgium is harder logistically for teams but it wasn't a show event you know it wasn't if we'd gone really far away from belgium for a course that didn't provide good racing and didn't allow us as bike riders to show off what we could do that's what's disappointing and i think that has to be high up on on organizers priorities is you got to create a bike race for the racers as number one priority and by doing that you will create good races for the spectators um, and yeah the race of la- last year of dublin you know it was helped by wow having all those issues and coming back and everything like that but it was one of the most exciting races to watch on the ground and on tv and that's what organizers should really prioritize not just you know can we let's race here for the sake of racing here um because that's not organic is it you need it it needs there needs to be organic growth which has to start with creating bike races for bike racers. I've got one more question. Um, what does your schedule for the rest of the cyclocross season look like? Uh, pretty standard, apart from that I'll skip another weekend. So I'll skip the weekend of Boom and uh, Thamondville. Then I'll go on training camp and do Valdesol, which I'm really excited about. Valdesol is like bucket list race for me. So that'll be cool. Um, and then a pretty normal approach to the Christmas uh, block. Um, I think I'll skip Antwerp World Cup just to give my spell, myself a little bit more space for the Christmas block. Um, you know, starting just that little bit later, I think will allow me to to be good on those really good days for me. I'm not sure of the actual races in the Christmas block yet because there's you know nothing overlaps, but. You know, learn how is the morning is the day after the nighttime race things like that there are there are some decisions to be made um 
but yeah, no, that it'll be that, and then back home for national champs, and then training camp, and then worlds, and then I'm keen to race in February as well, um, because there's some nice races there as well, and I'm a real cross rider now, so it's part of it's part of the job. So, Dieter, picking on on the on the Valdi Sol thing, um, did you ever race on on snow in your career? Uh, I've ridden on snow a lot as when I was a little and mucking about i think there was one scottish cyclocross in a park in glasgow that was just like create like loads of snow um but it's not it wasn't like packed down snow like like valdesol is like a ski resort so i think you ride on like meters deep of snow um so that i don't know i don't know what to expect but that's that's what's cool the domestic team will gather in uh, in Hulst for the World Cup, but since nice. you said you're not sure about your Christmas uh, program yet, you probably don't know if you'll be there too. Nah, Hulst is is high up there. Um, it's All right. a nice, yeah, it's a nice race and it's a World Cup, so it's in, it's important for me. To, you'll definitely uh, see us there then. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, Dieter, do you have any more questions? was it <laughs> okay that's a wrap for today's episode of crosses boss then thank you very much for joining us once again cameron and uh, we wish you all the best uh, as always and also a big thank you to you our audience if you like this episode consider hitting the like button and subscribing to our accounts bye bye i've got the sparse the sickness there's the twins in my brain <laughs>